My mother's people were all coal miners. My father's people were all steel workers. They all worked in the mills. I don't believe in miracles. I believe in Pittsburgh. We play for city and country. The city is Pittsburgh. And this is Steelers country. All right, this is Steeler Country. I'm your host, Tony. Boy, this is not going to be a fun one to talk about, is it? The Pittsburgh Steelers lose to the New England Patriots 36-17 to in the AFC Championship game. They are now eliminated from postseason play. Their winning streak ends at 9. And I, I know I was the, vo- the, the voice of dissent last week on the podcast when Mike and Joe were very uh, optimistic about this game, and I was kind of pessimistic. And, and I think the reasons why, you know, you really saw on the field, I, I think – you know, this game, while it didn't play out like I wanted to, it, it kind of played out the way I kind of figured it would. Um, this this defense was just not ready to face Tom Brady, especially in Foxborough. You know, that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot after this game is that this was a road game for the, for the Pittsburgh Steelers in Foxborough, a place where Tom Brady and that company just don't lose in the playoffs. I think they've only lost one time in his entire career in, in Foxborough. Um it is a daunting task, and I said last week that this team was going to have to play perfectly. They could not leave points on the field. They could not um, give up big plays. They had to do exactly what they had done over this nine-game stretch against a team that is the best at exploiting what you don't do well. And boy, did we see that on, on Sunday as far as uh, exploiting what we don't do well. You know, Tom Brady and, and company had a field day against our defense, um, and they did so at the expense of a lot of the youth on that defense. Artie Burns, Sean Davis, these are guys who were, who are assets to that defense and, and great young players, but they're not perfect players, right? They're not, they're not um, molded NFL starters. They are very much rookies who have uh, just as many flaws as any rookie does. Um, and you saw that on Sunday, you know, Tom Brady was able to go back and, and find his open receiver um, and exploit the Steelers, not just with the underneath stuff. You know, the worry in this game was was going to be, oh, well, he's just going to pick us apart with all the underneath stuff. You know, the problem that I had in this game was not just the underneath stuff. It was that he was able to beat us deep. He was able to get big plays on us, big chunk plays. I believe they had in this game four or five plays over 20 yards. Um, that's something the Steelers got so much better at as the season went along and was – was one of their real strengths going down the stretch. I mean, nine games in a row uh, where they didn't give up big plays, they didn't allow those big chunks, made offenses earn it. Um, and unfortunately against Brady, you know, they didn't do that, right? They, even on that first drive, there was a the, the long play to, I think it was Edelman who went, you know, he went for 40 yards. Um, and it was based on um, missed tackles. It was, it was a lot of missed tackles on that. Um, and run after catch, and, and those again. That's something that the Steelers have gotten better at as this as this uh, season goes along. But it just you know it came apart in this one. Ben said after the game that he thought it, you know maybe the the moment got to some of the younger guys on the team. I think certainly that's the case. You know if you if you look and you watch that game, you know uh, the the perfect example of it is Kobe Hamilton. Kobe Hamilton's a guy who has made a name for himself on this team, not by being flashy, not by being wide open, but by making 
one combat catch a game, right? The ball is thrown to him not very often, but when it is thrown to him, he's usually in tight coverage, but he's usually able to make that catch um, more often than not. And in this game, you know, he just he wasn't able to make that catch. It wasn't all look. It wasn't all bad for this team. This team certainly was in it. The Steelers were in it at, time, at, at times in this game. Um, certainly early on, they had their chances. It wasn't like the Patriots stormed out in their first two drives and immediately went up fourteen nothing, and the Steelers were just caught off guard. Um, the Steelers had a chance on their first drive to respond after the Patriots field goal. Um, they call a, a what was that? It turned out to be a, a good play call. Uh, but not good execution, which was a, a deep pass to Sammy Coates, who had one-on-one coverage with his guy, beat the one-on-one coverage. Hit, ball hit him in the hands, bent through a good good pass to Sammy. It just, he didn't catch it. It went right through his hands. Um, and that's the kind of thing I was talking about last week, where you can't do that against the New England Patriots. You can't leave that on the field. Um, you have to make them pay, because that, that opportunity is not going to come over and over again against against the Patriots. Um, and, you know, you saw that because the Steelers, you know, with, with Le'Veon going down early in this game, became a one-dimensional team. Um, and, it, it, you know, and they were still still able to move the football. It wasn't as though Le'Veon goes down and we can't move the football. But but we weren't, we weren't playing Steeler football at that point, right? They had to get away from the run at that point. D'Angelo um, wasn't able to be as effective as, as Le'Veon was. I think Le'Veon... What D'Angelo finished with something like two yards a carry or under three yards a carry. And the running game just wasn't there for this team. Ben ended up throwing almost 50 passes. Um, you know, the Steelers just kind of got away from what they do, but they were still successful, right? They were still successful airing it out. They just couldn't finish drives. And it's something that was a problem last week, and, and it was again a problem this week. Um, you know, and again, to that point of, you know, guys not coming up big in, in those big spots. I mean, how good is our offensive line, right? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger not really sacked much in this game. I don't think he was sacked at all in this game. Not really touched much in this game. But yet on first and goal from the one-yard line, you you give it to your running back. You give it to D'Angelo, and he's hit behind the line, and, and he's hit behind the line twice. I mean, you go for it again on second and two from the goal line. Um, and again, he's hit in the backfield. Uh, the offensive line just... You know, those were two plays where the offensive line didn't, you know, there was two of their worst plays of the year and at the worst possible moment. And that's not an offensive line that, you know, that's not been characteristic of that offensive line at all. Um, but somehow Sunday night, it's again, it's what I was talking about. You play the Patriots and this is what happens to you. Um, the moment gets to you. Uh, they put you in, they put you in spots that you're not used to. They certainly did that to the defense early on as they were. Uh, the defense was kind of reeling a little bit from the pace that the Patriots were, were going. The Patriots called a lot of no huddle to start this game, and I think it caught the defense a little bit flat-footed early on. But the defense, you know, to their credit, they actually responded well. I mean, they got a stop on the second drive. They allowed the offense a chance to at least get back in this game. Um, and the offense certainly, you know, they had their chances. Look, they were first and like I said, they were first and goal from the one-yard line with a chance to, to put the game into halftime. Um down by one score, right? They could have been it could have been seventeen fourteen or seventeen thirteen going into halftime if they make that touchdown. They don't. It's seventeen nine, still within a score, still within a score, um, and it just you know it, it never materialized from there. The offense from from halftime on was um, completely ineffective and didn't score any more points until garbage time. There's been a lot of talk in, in Pittsburgh now and in the media about who's to blame for this and. 
and um, you know, oh, they were playing uh, chess and we're playing checkers, and and you know, the zone defense is what caused it. I, I do want to address the zone defense versus press man argument because I've seen this brought up a lot. You know, why didn't the Steelers play more press man? They should have played more press. Um, and, and Tomlin, I think, has done a, a pretty decent job of being, you know, kind of civil about it or political about it without calling anyone out. Um, and he's basically said, look, the personnel that we went with, we're, we're happy with our game plan. We weren't displeased with the game plan. We just didn't execute. Um, and he doesn't need to get into an argument or, or a kind of a war with the, with the Pittsburgh media. But it, 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 it is a little bit surprising to me that so many people are on this. We should have played press man. Um, and so smart people, people that I respect. The Steelers don't play press man. They don't play press man. Period. The Steelers have not played press man this year. Uh, they have played a lot of cover two, cover three, zone blitz. Um, that is what they have done well this year. And they've got a lot of young people on that team. Uh, Artie Burns, Sean Davis, Bud Dupree, uh, Ross Cockrell, Ryan Shazier. Look, I mean, the list goes on and on, right? They're a young defense. And so the question is, should Mike Tomlin and Keith Butler have gone into this game and said, you young defense who has won nine games in a row, who is coming off of beating a team by holding them to 16 points when your offense couldn't even score a touchdown, we're going to put you now into a brand new defense. It even said we don't play. We don't play press, man. We play cover two. We play cover three. And we've been doing that well. But we think Tom Brady is going to beat our cover two or cover three, so we're going to go into press man for this game. I just don't, I don't understand. That's you know, Tomlin has that phrase. We don't live in our fears. I think this is a this is the perfect example of that. Look, hindsight being twenty twenty, now we can all we can all clearly say that obviously you know the the cover two cover three wasn't going to work in this game. But I, you know, to, to immediately then go, well, you should have done you should have done cover one. You should have done press man. Well, how do you know press man was going to work, especially on a defense that is this young? It's not it's not as though we've got Ike Taylor and DeShay Townsend and Brian McFadden back there, guys who are veterans in this league. We've got Artie Burns back there. We've got Sean Davis back there. We've got a first-year starter in Ross Cockrell. This defense needed to do what it did well in this game. And I think that's the disappointing part. To me, I'm not disappointed in oh, why didn't Keith Butler go, go press man because they're not going to go press man until this team is, is ready and working that into the system. You're going to do what you do well in a, in a situation. You don't make it to the AFC Championship game and then immediately, oh, let's, you know what we should do is we change our entire defensive scheme. That's losing football. But what I was disappointed in is that they didn't execute the game plan that they actually had, right? It would have been one thing if Brady was tearing us up for 15 play drives and going little chunk, little chunk, little chunk and beating up our zone that way. But he was able to find guys just wide open, deep in the secondary. And that, would, to me, was what was most frustrating about this game. But I think, this, you know, look, the Steelers' defense, they had to go through this. I said this last week. They're not good enough right now. They're not good enough, not because they don't have the personnel, not, not because they don't have the talent, but because they're just too young, right? If the worst thing we can say about the 2016 Pittsburgh Steelers' defense is that they weren't good enough to beat Tom Brady in Foxborough, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because we started two rookies in the secondary. We didn't have Bud Dupree for half the year. We are going to get better. 
This is this defense is not going to get worse. This is not this is not the 2011 defense that just got ripped up by by Tim Tebow, and you know all of a sudden the old slow it's over thing. You start to really take that to heart. This is a defense that's young, that's fast, that has talent. And that was playing really well. I don't think that this loss takes away from the run that this team went on, from the performances that they had in games like Buffalo and Cincinnati when the offense wasn't playing well. I don't think this takes away from what they did against the Kansas City Chiefs just one week ago when, again, they held that team to just 16 points in a game where their offense couldn't score a touchdown. I think that this defense has a lot of growing to do. But I don't think it's I don't think it's time to blow anything up. I don't think anybody's getting fired for this performance. I everything that's being said, you know, the oh we got I read an article just uh, just before we did this podcast. Should Keith Butler get fired for just one for just this one game? I mean, it's nuts. It's nuts because what I don't understand is the knock on this defense has been, especially over the past three years, that they make bad quarterbacks look good, right? Oh, so they have this they have this knack for making bad quarterbacks look good. Okay, let's take let's take 2016 defense. When when did that happen? Show me show me on the schedule where that happened this year. Where did this defense make a good make a bad quarterback look good? Was it Carson Wentz? Isn't he one of the best young quarterbacks in football right now? Was it Ryan Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill made the playoffs before he got hurt. Was it Tom Brady? Of course not. Was it Joe Flacco? Was it uh, Dak Prescott, the best young quarterback in football? Those are the teams. Those are those are the quarterbacks we lost to this year. And so, if the damning evidence against this defense is that they got blown out on the road in the AFC Championship game against Tom Brady. I'm okay with that right now. I'm not okay with it if this were a if this were a different situation, if this were a veteran team, if this were a team that I felt like should be turning the corner. But I said last week on this podcast, this is either the next great this is either the next great team defense. This is it. And by that I meant if they go out there and beat Brady in Foxborough, then this is the next great team defense. This is unbelievable. Right? We might have just drafted the next Troy Polamo, the next the next Rod Woodson in R.D. Burns and Sean Davis. Or it has the makings of it. Because I said last week on this podcast, I expect Brady to eat us up. You just don't, it shouldn't be this easy. It shouldn't be this easy for this team who has had so many problems in the secondary for so many years to just draft a good corner and a good safety and in their first year, boom, you can beat Brady. It just doesn't make sense. It makes more sense that Tom Brady picks on your rookie corner, your rookie safety. And yeah, maybe he throws 36 on you. That makes sense to me. This would have been a much different conversation. Look, if this if this had happened a week ago, if we had lost 36-17 to the Kansas City Chiefs, or hell, a week before that, to Matt Moore and the Miami Dolphins, I would be all pitchforks just like you guys. Just like the people, just like you guys listen to this podcast who, who are who are calling for Keith Butler or Mike Tomlin, that would have been the embarrassing, huge step back for this defense. But that didn't happen. The defense against Miami played very, very well, shut down Jay Ajay. The defense against Alex Smith, again, played very, very well, shut them down. Held them to just 16 points, won that football game for us. 
This is frustrating. I get that it's frustrating. I'm, again, I'm as frustrated as anybody. But I'm not going to sit here and say we need to blow this thing up or this is a huge setback for this team. This is part of the growth process. Should we have blown it all up and fired Dick LeBeau in 2007 when that, when that Steeler defense, which is one year before the great 2008 Steeler defense, a defense that I include in the great Steeler defenses of all time, and, and I'm talking about the 70s Steel Curtain defenses. That 2008 defense is the greatest defense I've seen in my lifetime. Um, and, and I think it is it is up there with some of those 1970s defenses. Now that defense, the year prior, lost at home in the playoffs in the wild card round 30, and gave up 31 points to the Jacksonville Jaguars, to David Garrard. Now, was that a team that needed to be blown up, that we needed to start from scratch? We just lost to Jacksonville at home? No, of course not. Of course not. That that team was a year away. Sometimes this is what it takes. You know? Sometimes this is what it takes. I, I said this last week when we talked about whether or not this team had a killer instinct or what it was going to take for this defense to get a killer instinct. And I said, you just got to go through this. You got to go through these experiences. You have to have it. This is a team that has improved year over year in the playoffs, right? They've They've uh, two years ago they won in the wild card round. Last year they won in the divisional round, or, or they made it to the divisional round. Um, and this year uh, they made it to the, the championship game. Uh, look, I'm not saying next year is guaranteed Super Bowl, but certainly we're going to be in that conversation again next year, right? And I think defensively, there are certainly pieces that we need to add, and we're going to have many podcasts in the offseason to discuss that. But just discussing this game. It's hard for me to look at this game and, and, and not just kind of shrug my shoulders and go, yeah, yeah, that was that, yeah, we got beat by Tom Brady. I, I'm not, I, I don't think it's damning. I think it's, it pisses me off. I want to beat Tom Brady. I want this, I want to watch this Steeler team uh, become the great Steeler team. I know it can be, but it's a, it's, it's a year or two away, at least defensively. So offensively, though, like I said, this, this team had its chances. Um, I, I, <laughs> You know, goal line situation, first and first and one at the goal, and you can't punch it in. Um, obviously frustrating. Uh, frustrating that Le'Veon got hurt, and he talked about going into this game that that was uh, a groin injury that had bothered him uh, for, for some time now. Um, you know, and I go back to Tomlin's quote about Willie Parker and saying, you know, I'm going to run the wheels off. I'm going I'm to run until the wheels fall off. Um, you know what? Look, I'm not saying he ran Le'Veon until the wheels fell off because uh, I think you know we what we saw against Kansas. You know the wheels didn't come off last week, right? It wasn't as though Le'Veon was showing anywhere in tear last week. He ran for he didn't just run uh, for 170 yards. He ran for a Steelers postseason record 170 yards in that football game. He was uh, one of the biggest reasons why we won that football game. And um, so look, I think Tomlin did what he had to do to get this team to this point. Um, it's just an unfortunate injury. And I think it's big of Le'Veon, if you listen to him after the game, talking about how he wanted to take himself out of the game because uh, he felt like he was, he was being a detriment to the team. Not, not that the injury was, was causing him um, you know, so much pain that he couldn't play, but it was causing him enough that he didn't feel like he was as effective. And when he tried to come back in, um, it, you know, there was that play where it, clearly there was a big hole for him. And he, he said he just didn't have the burst. He didn't have the burst to get through it. Guys like Sammy Coates, guys like Kobe Hamilton, Eli Rogers, um, even Jesse James. Jesse James, I thought, had a great game in this game. But, you know, again, there were catches in there that needed to be made. Um, ball hit him in the hands, and he just didn't make the catch. And you can say that about all of those guys, all those young guys. Um, 
all those guys are going to be better for this. I think everyone on this team is going to be better for this loss. Um, this is not something that that you know is going to haunt this team going forward. I think you, you have to take um, you have to take this as a as a lesson um, for, for especially for all the young guys. Do the Steelers need to play play press man in the future? Of course, of course. I think they need to work that into their arsenal defensively, um, and I think that you know that is going to be something that we're going to see this team grow into. You know, th- again, this team was limited, and I said this back when they back when they did it in Miami. And by the way, can we give credit to Tomlin and Butler for making that call back in Miami? Because th- when they when they made the call to go to Artie Burns and Sean Davis, that was in the midst of. Uh, of their winning streak. I mean, that was in the midst of, of them being four and one. You know, they were four and one going into Miami, and they make a change like that to start a rookie. That's a pretty ballsy play, and they didn't blink when they then lost the next four games. Uh, instead, they doubled down on it by then starting Sean Davis, um, and they then went on this run that, that got us to this point. But when you make a move like that, you know, obviously this is the risk that you take, right? This is the risk that you take that that at some point you're going to run into a guy who can exploit the fact. That you're you're not starting um, veteran guys back there. That you are kind of limited with what you can do personnel-wise on that defense, and that's where we were. That's where we were Sunday night. It hurts. It hurts. I would have loved to watch them play press man and watch Artie, um, you know, try try to do that. And you know, the Steelers went to it a couple times. Um, it didn't work. There was the one where there was clear man-to-man coverage, and William Gay just couldn't keep up with uh, with Edelman or Amendola or, one, or Hogan, one of those guys. Just couldn't keep up with him, and uh, it was frustrating. But again, I, you know, this is a this is a game that I expected. So we'll move on from this. I mean, the Steelers um, going into the offseason now, they have a lot. There's a lot of uh, of moving parts, and one of those is uh, is retirement, and, and who's you know who's going to actually be back next year. James Harrison said after the game, he's not done. He wants to be back, and I think that's awesome. Um, the Steelers will probably like to have him back. In fact, Tomlin said as much during the press conference today. Um, James Harrison was one of our best, if not the best, defensive player uh, throughout the year. And I think the Steelers would love to have him back. D'Angelo Williams, another guy who is uh, you know cl- getting close to retirement age, and he's a free agent. We'll see if, if he wants to come back or if he and the Steelers can come to an agreement um, on, on money. Um, Lawrence Timmons, you know, again, it's same situation, right? Getting up there in age, is he going to come back? But the one I think that surprised everyone today was Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger talking about um, potentially retiring or, or thinking about retirement now. Uh, he brought that up on his radio show today. There's been a lot of talk throughout the day today uh, about, you know, what this is or if he's being serious or if this is just Ben being Ben. I think it's a little of both. I don't expect that he's going to retire, but it wouldn't surprise me. I, I thought – that there was, I thought he was thinking this way, or he was kind of leaning towards. I'm kind of getting close to the to the end here. When he got injured uh, against Miami this year, and started, we started going on that losing streak, and he started talking about how he needed young guys to to um, there needed to be. God, what was the phrase that he used? He, he wanted there to be accountability. He was saying the young guys need to have accountability on this team, and that struck me as as interesting because I felt like. You would only say that if you felt like this team was close and you didn't and you weren't going to be there when these guys matured and you needed to see these guys kind of mature early. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and it almost struck me as though he was kind of displeased with the fact that 
you know, guys like Robert Golden and William Gay were getting demoted from their starting positions, and we were going to go with a younger crew. Because I think even Ben could sense that that move meant we're probably not going to be this year, and it'll probably be more next year. This is kind of a, a move that puts us in a, in a position to do well this year, but really do well next year. And maybe he was thinking in the back of his mind, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be here next year, so we need to do this now. Um, and that's what I, that, that's what I've been thinking throughout the year. You know, again, I don't want to go on this podcast and say, oh, I think Ben's going to retire, you know. Um, but it, it was it was something that when he said it back then, it was in the back of my mind, like, eh, you know, that might this might be we might be nearing the end here. And I think we are clearly now we know we are nearing the end of Ben Roethlisberger. Um, whether it is this year or it is next year, um, I think we're you know we're within a certainly within a five year window, right? We've got maybe five years of Ben left, and it's probably closer to three. And it may be it may be zero. And and if he does move on, you know we'll certainly talk about that. I think the Steelers have a lot of options. Um, I tweeted today, you know, just what I thought four of them would be. Obviously, option number one and probably the least um, exciting is you just keep Landry Jones and hope that. Um, he can continue to evolve his game, although I think we all know Landry Jones is, is more of a – he's a very serviceable backup and, and probably nothing more. Um, option B would be obviously Tony Romo is is a, the biggest name free agent that's going to be out there. Um, someone like a, a Tony Romo or a Jay Cutler, you know, these are kind of damaged goods. Um, you could trade for someone, right? Like Jimmy Garoppolo will probably be available after this year. Um do you really want to give up a first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo? And then, you know, obviously the Steelers have the 30th pick in the draft, so they're not going to have their picking of, of you know, all of the quarterbacks in this draft. But if someone were to fall to them, um, they, they could they could answer it there. Again, we'll talk about all that if Ben were to retire. I think it's interesting. I don't expect him to retire. Um, I think that with the the way this team is playing football offensively with, with Le'Veon and A.B. And, and the offensive line, and next year with the return of all of the players that we're going to get back, including Martavis, and, and if Ladarius Green can stay healthy, you know, this offense in, in 2017 has the makings um, of just being, you know, on paper, just unbelievably good all around. And I don't think Ben will walk away from that. I think he will uh, give this thing one more year. I, I doubt that that game we saw in New England is his last one. Uh, but again, it doesn't surprise me that he's thinking that way. So, all right, that's going to do it for Silicon Country this week. Thank you all for listening. If you want to leave, uh, or excuse me, we're actually going to be back. We'll be back next week um, during the uh, the Pro Bowl week before the Super Bowl. I'll have Mike and Joe on. We will do our season recap, and then we'll start to do our season awards. I'm going to break them up this year. I know that that podcast usually runs like three hours. Uh, I don't want to do a three-hour podcast anymore. It's it, it's uh, I like this kind of 30-minute format that we found this year. And so we're going to kind of break that up. And we'll probably do one or two awards per podcast, and we'll keep that running. That'll take us through the month of February and into uh, what will be the combine and, and free agency. So uh, that'll be next week. We'll have Mike and Joe on. We'll do the season recap. We'll start to do some awards. Most disappointing player, most um, the player with the most potential, most improved player, uh, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, MVP, and then uh, the game of the year. So that'll be next week. Uh, if you want to leave feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail.com is the email address. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash SteelerCountry. I live tweeted uh, the game on Sunday or as much as I could until it got kind of out of hand. And what are you really going to tweet at that point other than, you know, just banging your head against the wall? Um, you can follow us, or excuse me, you can uh, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music or uh, Stitcher, any of the other podcast services. We're on all of them. Uh, we'll see you next week.